Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. I'm ready for the word of the Lord. Please, please pray because I got a lot of details to share in a very limited period of time. Please pray for me. So we're going to be diving into the book of Mark. Now, this is a New Testament book. It's the second gospel, Matthew and then Mark and then Luke and then John. But Mark is the second gospel. But it's very possible that the book of Mark may have been the first gospel that was written. I want us all to know here that that Mark was not um, a disciple of, of Jesus. However, Mark did go on the first missionary journey with the Apostle Paul. The book of Mark is wonderful, and you'll see why I chose this book to bring about this message, because the book of Mark is unique. It doesn't spend um, any time. It passes Jesus's birth. Um, it, it, it spends a little bit of time, not much time on his baptism. Um, it doesn't spend very much time at all on the temptation where Jesus was led out into the wilderness for a period of 40 days, fasting and being tempted by the by the devil. It doesn't spend any time on that. And it doesn't spend much time on him gathering his disciples, a very unique book from the other gospels. What the book of Mark does is it dives headlong and takes us directly into Jesus's public ministry. Jesus's public ministry. So the book of Mark, you open it up and immediately, like you're not into it very long, and then all of a sudden Jesus is confronting demons. And Jesus is healing the sick. He's healing a man with leprosy. He's forgiving and healing a paralyzed man. Jesus shows us, or Mark shows us, that Jesus associates with people that were not good to associate if you were a religious person of the day. Jesus is having you know, conversation and spending time with, with Matthew, the tax collector, whose name is Levi. And so it shows us that he's, he's associating with questionable people. And then... It also shows us that he has a, a authority, somebody say authority, over nature, over demons, and over death. This is what is amazing about the book of Mark. So turn your Bible, please, to the book of Mark, chapter 1 and verse 21, and we're going to read through 28. Let's make it quick. I ain't got much time. It says this, they went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and he began to teach. See, Jesus often, if you'll study this out, he often taught in synagogues because places like Capernaum were far enough away from Jerusalem to where they would build these, these houses of worship and houses of teaching called synagogues. And the only thing that you had to do to erect a synagogue, to put a synagogue in place, first of all, you had to be a certain distance from Jerusalem. 
But the second thing is, is all you had to have is 10 Jewish men above the age of 13 that would take on the responsibility of, of making sure that the synagogue um, was, was, was well taken care of. And there was a manager, but the manager of the synagogue hardly ever ever taught. He just kind of managed. And so because there wasn't a full-time rabbi or teacher there, whenever people were passing through that were rabbis or teachers, which Jesus was one of them, this is why it shows in many places Jesus went to the synagogue. Next thing you know, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue because these traveling rabbis, these traveling teachers, there was always a space that was created for them. And so so Jesus goes to the synagogue and he began to teach. Verse 22, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority. Somebody say authority. And then Mark says this, that not as the teachers of the law. So he's making, a, a, there's a differential statement here. Jesus had authority. The teachers of the law did not. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed with an impure spirit. Somebody say impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus' response was, be quiet and come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all amazed and they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching and one with authority? He gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. See, they had never seen anything like this before. News about Jesus because of this miracle, it spread quickly throughout the whole region of Galilee. So the title of my message is this, a demonstration of power. Somebody just repeat after me, a demonstration of power. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, for this time spent together. I thank you, Lord, for your worship, the worship experience where, God, we were able to lay aside all things that, that, that just kind of entangle us up and mess us up and, and, and control our thoughts. We were able to lay those things down and focus on the thing that matters the most of all things, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Thank you, Lord, for this season where we celebrate the birth of Jesus but Lord, now I just pray over these next few moments that there would be a transfer of your word, that people would see what it is. Come on, what your life, your death, your burial, and your resurrection, what it means to those that are accounted, come on, in your family. What, what is available to us, Lord, I pray that our eyes would be open and we would see these things clearly in Jesus' name. And the whole house said, amen. amen. So, we're talking about a demonstration of power. What do we know about Capernaum? Number one, it was an upscale, wealthy community. It was a fishing community, a lot of money. There was a lot of merchants that did business in Capernaum. And, um, and, and, and there were also a great deal of sin. Um, there were there were Roman headquarters for the soldiers, and so so there were there were all kinds of, of 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 false god worship and and paganism and things like that that had taken place, and so sin was also rampant in Capernaum, and and once again in this place there was a synagogue that was established. Jesus, his ministry in the book of Mark 
it, 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 is, it is completed in three parts. There were three things that we see that stand out above every other thing that took place. It was a three-part uh, ministry. Number one was teaching. Somebody say teaching. Another one was releasing because Jesus released people in the book of Mark from demonic oppression and possession in great, uh, in great amounts. And then the last thing was healing. And so his ministry was teaching, releasing, and healing. So let's take a look at verse 22. Verse 22 says this, that the people were amazed at his teaching. He taught as one with authority. See, I want to take you back to something I already said. These folks were used to people, you know, teaching for rabbis coming in, teachers coming in. They were, they were used to, to different people holding the pulpit. But if you just looked at the text from surface level, it would make you think that these people that, that, that held the pulpit were just kind of wishy-washy, you know what I mean? They, they, they were kind of weak-minded in their teaching. Um, you know, they didn't really teach, you know, the, the word very well. But I want you to know this, that the scribes of the day, like they knew the law and the prophets very, very well. And so, so these people that would, that would come to these synagogues and they would hold the pulpit for a period of time, maybe one week, two weeks, maybe a whole month. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm telling you, they spoke with great knowledge. These were the PhDs of their day. These were people that knew more about the law than any of us in here knew. But, but, but in this, when Jesus steps up, they're saying, listen, we have not heard anybody like this speak before, one who speaks with authority. So Jesus steps up on the scene, and it's different because Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. First of all, Jesus is the fullness of God manifest in the, in the flesh. And so not only does he know everything about the law and everything about the prophets, but he knows what it is that every single person is dealing with in that place. And it seems like when Jesus speaks... There's something very different when he speaks. It is, it, there's conviction in the heart, and it's like Jesus is speaking specifically to each and every person that was there. The word authority is the Greek word, the, the Greek word um, exousia, and exousia means with authoritative power, and so Jesus steps up. And he begins to speak with authoritative power. And today, what I want to recognize and I want to shine a light on is that there's more people with, with more knowledge in the world today probably than ever before. We've got so much information at our fingertips. So we are filled with knowledge. There's not one thing that if you will put in the time, Joe, there's not one thing that you cannot become an expert in if you will just simply apply yourself. Because there is, there is information about everything under the sun readily available to every single one of you. And this is a day and a time that is different than any other time in history. And so the church, I want you to know this, that the church, the picture of the church today is filled with people that have great knowledge about even kingdom things, but we walk with limited authority. 
We are not walking in the authority and the power, come on, that is readily available to us. And if you don't believe so, then just open your eyes and look around. We continue to be tormented by the things that God has called us out of and he has set us free from. And many times it's because we don't realize and we don't appropriate what has been given to us. And so we as the body of Christ continue to live limited. We have great knowledge. We know about all things. We can debate and we can. But whenever it comes to the power of the application of the word of God, we have people that are messed with and messed over and walking away and coming back and returning to their vomit and being delivered again and returning to their vomit and being delivered again. And I'm saying this, that this was never God's plan. He said he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. Amen. And so I'm telling you, this being a year of power, 2023, it is time for you to step into what God said that you can have and what it is that God said that you can do. John 14, 12. Truly, I tell you that whoever believes in me, Jesus is saying this, will do the works that I do. And yes, even greater works. And so when we see the ministry in the life of Jesus and we're like, wow, that's incredible. Wow, man, he got up and spoke with authority like nobody ever heard before. I want you to realize and connect the dots because the spirit of God that is in you being the same spirit, come on, that was in Jesus and even raised Jesus from the dead is in you. So therefore, when you step onto the scene, my friend, you also have the same authority and the power, come on, to shake hell and set the captives free. Not just to experience it yourself, but to set other people that encounter you to set them free as well. Because this is the ministry of Jesus, is to set the captives free. And he said, 2818, go and do what I have taught you. Baptize them. Do these things. Go. Come on, we have been mandated by the Lord, come on, himself, given authority to go and teach and set the captives free. But this is the deal. We've got to pursue the presence of the Lord. What I'm talking about, it doesn't come merely just by reading your word. What it comes by is reading your word and cultivating and spending time in the presence of Almighty God. Amen. For years, do you know, for years, the church has been accused or, or there have been statements about the church. Oh, yeah. You really want to find out the spiritual health of a church? Call a prayer meeting and see how many people show up. And this has been the truth. And you are guilty of this statement. I am guilty of this statement. We've got other things that are more prioritized, higher priority than going to the church collectively as the body of Christ and spending time in prayer. This may upset you and I'm okay with it because this is the deal. If you will, if you will but think upon what it is that I'm sharing, the Lord himself, the spirit itself is going to show you that what I'm saying is true. We're fixing to enter into 21 days of prayer. The only way that you're going to walk in the power and the might and the authority that I am is if you learn personally to cultivate the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you something's coming on me right now. The day is over where your walk with 
with God is dependent upon another's walk with God. You better start cultivating, come on, a relationship with the Lord where you know him because you know him. You better start getting into your word because the day that we are in is requiring more. That was a word 2022 going into 2020. It's going to cost you more going forward than what you've given in your past. And I'm telling you, I prophesy this thing. If you do not, if you do not take heed to the words that I'm speaking, many of you will not be serving the Lord in short order. Do you know why? Because it's going to be too difficult for you to do what God has called you to do in your own flesh. The devil is too powerful. But I'm telling you, when the, when the enemy comes against somebody that is resurrected, that has the spirit of God on him, he identifies that I have no place. I have no power with this man, woman, or child because they belong to the king. And I'm telling you, if you think that you can, if you think that you can just, just kind of go along with somebody else's anointing, you, my friend, are mistaken and you will fall. And I believe that the Lord is able to pick you up when you fall. But I'm telling you, don't, don't fall in the first place. Woo! So on the cross, there's this incredible exchange that takes place. There's a divine exchange. He takes my sin and I receive his righteousness. He dies in my place and he gives me his eternal existence, his eternal life. Second Corinthians chapter five and 21 says this. God made him who had no sin. To be sin. See, he just didn't take, he just didn't die for the sins of the world. I'm telling you, Jesus became my sin. He became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You are becoming in Jesus the righteousness of God. And so the result is, is that there should be more of a a little bit more excitement. I am so tired. I'm tired of people. I'm tired of my own self, you know, taking for granted some of the most beautiful things. I'm tired of, of, of Christianity where we've walked with God for too long. Is it possible? Yeah, it's too long when you forget where it is that you come from. This is why I love the zeal and the passion of somebody that has just been delivered from darkness and into the light. Why? Because it's fresh. And sometimes we just kind of get used to the same old story. And I'm just telling you that the Bible says to stir up your most holy faith. Stir up that gift that is inside of you. Do not forget where it is that you've come from. Because the moment that you begin to forget, then you will misappropriate the power of God in your life. You'll begin to think, oh yeah, that's, that's a great testimony. You know, God bless them, delivered from whatever, whatever, whatever. When was the last time that you appreciated the work of the cross? This is, this is I'm, I'm fixing to do something. I need somebody that knows how to weld. I want a big cross on this property. We got a big cross in here, but I'm telling you, I need somebody that knows how to weld and do a good job. And I'm not talking about a little cross. 
I'm talking about a big cross. Because listen, the cross is everything. And the truth is, is it's even been churches like our church here. We have removed the cross. And, and, and what we realize now is that, that, there is a, that this is the work of the enemy to remove the cross from the house of worship. Why? Because the cross is offensive. Why? Because the cross is a religious symbol. Come on, we can have life without the cross. You cannot have life without the cross. We need, we need a, we need a 30 foot, a 40 foot, whatever it is that we can get away with, a, a cross that is illuminated night and day on this property. Because I'm telling you, when you, when you forget when the cross is, is forgotten, the victory is lost because there's only victory at the cross. You don't have victory any other place but at the cross of Jesus Christ. So somebody put a plan together and we'll figure out, either get permission or ask for forgiveness, I don't know. But I'd just be like, I didn't know you had to get that signed off on. No, some of you guys work for the city and the county. Man, where am I? So a demoniac shows up. Have you ever, he says this, have you come to destroy us? We know you. Don't you think it's interesting in this that the first, I'm not gonna call them people, but the first creatures that always recognize, come on, who Jesus is, they recognize his identity as the demonic. You read your Bible. So many times Jesus shows up on the scene. Nobody else knows who he is. But the demonic recognize who he is. He says, listen, they say, listen, have you come to destroy us? These ambassadors from hell recognize who Jesus is. And Jesus confronts hell itself. And I'm telling you this, that we, my friends, are called to confront hell itself. You're called to confront hell. In fact, the kingdom of God is not going to be built. It's not going to be advanced until the kingdom of hell is addressed. And I'm telling you this. If Jesus dealt with the demonic for us to think that it's not around or it's, we don't talk about it. We, 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 don't, we don't spend any time praying for people as much time as we should praying for people that they may be delivered from whatever it is that they're bound to. You know what we do? We counsel them. And I'm telling you that counseling somebody that is under the influence of demonic oppression and possession is not going to do anything. You can't negotiate with these spirits. Come on, there's only one way to deal with them, and that is with power and with authority. But guess what? If we think that we can give a pill, and I'm not against pills, I know that there are some situations, oh, I'm getting crazy a little bit here, there are some situations where a pill is necessary, don't stop taking your medication is what I'm saying, that's happened before. But I'm telling you, if you're feeding a pill to somebody that is under the, 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 the demonic, it's not going to do anything but steal that person's life. It's going to steal their life. And I also think it's interesting, as this is coming to me, that many times when Jesus would heal the sick, there was a demonic 
There was a demonic presence that was also delivered. And so many times, not all the time, but many times where there's sickness, there's also demonic influence in that as well. Not all the time. But I'm just saying that it's amazing that they're set free from the demonic, but then they're also healed. Read your Bible. There's plenty of stories in there. So Jesus confronts hell. We're called to do the same. The Old Testament, it doesn't reference the demonic realm very much at all. Jesus steps onto the scene and all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks loose. And in Luke chapter 11, it says this. This is talking about Jesus. When you see me casting out demons, listen to me. Listen, this is in your Bible. Write it down and check it out later. When you see me casting out demons by the finger of God, know this, that the kingdom of God has come upon you. So listen, the kingdom of God is is here and it's present. And I'm saying just as Jesus dealt with the demonic and set those that were bound free, we too are called to do the same. And so how, what does this look like? It doesn't have to look like any certain thing, but it does have to do with your investment and involvement when God, when God positions you with somebody, come on, that is sick in their body or they're being tormented in their mind. Maybe it's just simply to lay hands upon them and pray a faith prayer that you're, it makes you a little bit uneasy because we start thinking, well, what if God doesn't do what it is that I ask him to do? But I'm telling you this, if we will step into this, there are going to be times where God uses you and your faith come on to do a great work in the lives of somebody else. I want you to know that Jesus came to bind the strong man. Study the strong man. The strong man is Satan himself. Jesus came to bind the strong man. And when Jesus shows up in that synagogue, those demons that were were in that unclean man, either one demon or multiple, You can read it, it says we, it says I. Whether it's one or many, they knew that their time was short. At the cross, we know this, that Jesus disarmed Satan. And guess what? Satan has never recovered. Satan, the stronghold that we are seeing today in people is nothing compared to what happened before the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? At the cross, Satan was defeated Death, hell, and the grave lost its sting. Because of the cross, everything, uh, and, and, and being everything, the devil tries to obscure its work. The word obscurity means to hide. And so once again, I'm doing this study and I'm realizing that, that, that you know what, churches all over the nation have removed the cross from the church house. Ah, that's an interesting way that the enemy could, could infiltrate and, and obscure the cross because the cross is everything. Let's remove the cross so people won't even think about the cross. They won't be focused on the cross. Well, listen, we're doing something different here at Grace Church. We're bringing the cross of Jesus right back into the central location where it belongs. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, it shows us how the enemy tries to obscure the cross. It says this, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I had to look up the word bewitched. I knew it had to do with witchcraft. I knew it had to do with the demonic. But this is what bewitched means, to influence or to injure by witchcraft. And so the word of God to the Galatian church is who's bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed and crucified. 
And so right off of the bat, the Galatian church, come on there, they were losing sight of the work of the cross. And I'm telling you, you lose sight of the cross, you lose victory. You lose victory. It's all about the cross. I'm going to skip that. I ain't got time for that. If we don't know what's available to us, we will never appropriate what's available. So how will we know? Number one, we've got to start asking and we've got to start spending time in his presence. 21 days of prayer, January 1 through 21. Be here, serious. It's the best investment that you can make. Hear the word and the voice of the Lord. We're expecting great and powerful things to happen in this 21 days. Well, you don't understand my kids and this and that. Make room. Bring your kids down here. We'll figure something out. It, this is, this is, it's more important. It goes beyond your comfort and what is easy. Sometimes God calls us to sacrifice some things, to make some, not to sacrifice some things, to be a living sacrifice, to do something that is difficult to do. So what, it, what happens on the cross? There's an exchange, guilt for grace. We get, we get his grace and he removes our guilt. See, religion tries to, tries to earn what it is that God gives us freely. The grace of God is given freely, but we try to earn it. We can't give enough. We can't pray enough. We can't prophesy enough. We can't read enough. The grace of God is there as a gift to you. And I'm just saying, step into it and receive it. Why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Why? Because we're in rebellion. I don't know about you, but for years I knew the call of God was on my life and I ran from God and I ran from God. I had a spirit of rebellion, which is a spirit of witchcraft. Rebellion is nothing more than witchcraft. It's nothing less than witchcraft. Like if you have a rebellious spirit, I would ask you to spend some time fasting and praying and getting that figured out because there is a wound or an injury that you have had taken place in your life that you've not properly dealt with. And so what you've done is you've given the, the, the enemy a stronghold in your life that will rob you and keep you from stepping into the fullness of what it is that God has. And if you've got a rebellious spirit, that's not a spirit that comes from the Lord. It's a spirit of the dark realm, the demonic realm, and it needs to be dealt with. But guess what? You've got the power and the authority, come on, to rid it once and for all. Yeah. Isaiah 53, 6, all we sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid upon him, which is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Every human being needs this grace. You may have people in your life that they're pretty good people, upstanding. You know what I mean? Yeah, they really don't have a relationship with God. But I'm telling you what, it doesn't matter how good they portray themselves, how well they carry themselves. If they don't have Jesus, Jeremy, they will go straight to hell. If you are not with him, you are against him. And if you deny him, he will deny you. There is no middle ground. There's no, you know, well, listen, you've done a lot of good things for humanity and, 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 and you've, you've brought a, a lot of social justice into the world. And, and listen, none of that matters nothing. If you don't know Jesus and, are, and if you're not counted with him, then you will go straight to hell. 
And there are people that you love and that you know that need to know. They need to experience that grace that is freely given. It's not earned. You can't do enough for it. It is freely available. You see, see, we have to enter in this relationship one way. There's not many ways through Jesus. There's one way, and that one way is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the cross, which he also tells you to pick up and carry your cross, to die to your flesh desires, and to say, listen, you are my Lord and you're my Savior. Number two is this. Jesus was punished for our forgiveness. Isaiah says it like this. The chastisement for our peace or the punishment for the peace that we received was upon Jesus. It was upon him. Understanding that sin can only be dealt with one way, like I said, and that's through the cross. Colossians chapter 1 and 19 says this. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, talking about Jesus, and through Jesus reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he, Jesus, has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death to present you holy in God's sight, without blemish and free from accusation. So listen, you went from holy or from rebellious to holy. You went from being separate to connected. You went from being an enemy to an ally because of the cross and the death of Jesus. Number three is this, is redemption is available through you to you on the cross. Jesus paid our ransom. We, we watch these movies or we hear these stories where a child may be abducted, right? And, 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 and next thing you know, there's a phone call and say, hey, listen, if you'll wire $500,000 to this, this account, then you know what I mean? Your child will, will, will be fine and I'll return your child to you. See, that's called, it's a ransom. And the word redeemed is the same. It's, it's somebody paying something that you can't pay for yourself. Colossians chapter 113 says this, for, for he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and he transferred us into the kingdom of light or the kingdom of his son. I want us to know that it was not free. See, every single one of you were captive by the enemy. I was captive by the enemy. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, no, no, not no more. You belong to me. And he adopted us as sons and daughters into the family. In Romans, in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul in, in chapter 7 and verse 14, he, this is what the Apostle Paul says. We know that the law is spiritual, but I, the Apostle Paul, am unspiritual. And then he says this, sold as a slave to sin. Listen, when you are sold as a slave, guess what, Steve? You don't get to choose what your job is. You, you, don't, you don't get to say to the owner, hey, you know what? Um, I'm really good in the kitchen. I'm really, you know what I mean? I'll make beef stew and, and I can make dove, you know, sandwiches, whatever it is that you, maybe that doesn't even sound good, but... Uh, but you don't get to choose what it is that you do. The owner says, listen, you're going to be the gardener. You're going to be out here digging ditches and you're going to be in the kitchen. And I'm just saying that sometimes we feel like, listen now, this is for somebody. We feel like we chose our addiction. 
You who are addicted didn't choose your addiction. If you have a problem lying, cheating, and stealing, you didn't choose that lying, cheating, or stealing. Come on, you were owned by the kingdom of darkness. The devil himself in his demonic realm ruled who you were. But then Jesus steps up on the scene in and through the cross of Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm going to take her and I'm going to take her and I'm going to take her and I'm going to take him and I'm going to take him. You no longer come on are owned by the devil and the enemy. I am purchasing you. You're no longer a slave. Now you are a son and you are a daughter of mine. And so listen. If you don't understand that, listen, yeah, clap, but listen, if you don't understand what that really means, then it's possible that you can be saved, born again, set free, but you're still living like a slave. And I'm telling you that if we don't know the power of the cross and what the cross represents, then we are not, we're going to misappropriate it. We're not going to, if you don't know something, you can't step into it. It doesn't come automatically. And so some of you have been messed around with. You've been saved for years, but you still struggle and you fall and you struggle and you fall and you struggle and you fall. And literally, you've come to this place and position in life where you're just like, man, I can't wait until I can't wait until I die. I can't wait until I die. Then I'm not going to struggle with this anymore. Then I'm going to be set free. I'm going to be with the king. I'm not going to fall to sin any longer. But you know what? If that's the case, if that's how you're living, then what you're saying, Brian, is you're saying death is the thing that saved you and not Jesus. If you're waiting to die so that you can truly live free, then death is your savior and not Jesus. See, people live this way in the church far too long. Death cannot save you. Jesus saves you. He's the only one that saves you. And you don't have to wait until you die. You can be saved and set free today. The last thing that I'm going to share, and I'm just going to close with this. I ain't got time. The last thing is, is healing is, 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 is for us in and through the cross of Jesus Christ. It's amazing, like he was broken physically in his body so that we could be healed in our body. It's the great exchange. People used to pray for the sick a whole lot more in the past than what we pray for the sick today. And I'm telling you personally, I've been through some seasons in my life where where I've had faith like a child and literally prayed big prayers for people and God answered those prayers. And how, whenever you've already experienced the power of God in and through faith and prayer and the laying on of hands, how when you've experienced that, you can even shriek back from it at an ounce. How we can just fall back from it a little is amazing to me. And this is what I know that some of you have experienced that same power where you've laid hands on the sick and you've prayed prayers that were bigger than your than, than, than yourself and you're like man God if you don't show up you know and then all of a sudden God shows up come on can we get back to that can we get back to you know instead of just listening and giving an ear and counseling somebody through the hardship that they're dealing with can we get back to 
to, to literally, listen, man, can I pray for you? Knowing this, that the power of God in your life has the ability to change a person's situation in a second. You know, it's amazing to me, Jesus shows up on the scene and he begins healing people and he begins casting the demonic out of people and he begins, you know, setting things out of order in order. And there are many churches in our world today, many churches, Steve, that have been powerful churches at, at one point or another, and they have just really become milk toast churches. Why? Because it's not popular. Why? Because, man, if I pray that and it doesn't happen, then, then you know, I'm just not even going to put myself in that situation. Well, how about this? How about you pray and you believe with that same childlike faith and then trust in God's sovereignty in the event that it doesn't happen just like you were expecting it to happen? Because I am telling you this, that there are prayers that are answered not immediately, but over the course of time. And you and I will never know whose prayer, or maybe it's just the multitude of the prayers that made the difference in that person's life. And so what we've done as the church is we have shrunk back and say, you know what? It's safer. It's safer over here just to, just to kind of, just to not really even put yourself out there. And I'm just saying this, that there are people that are dealing with situations that do not need to be dealing with those situations because the church has not stepped into its rightful place and been about delivering people from the, from the enemy of darkness into the kingdom of light. You know, it's interesting. If people thought that this was just for a period of time while Jesus was on the earth, then guess what? You wouldn't see those healings taking place in the book of Acts, which is an example. It's a beautiful picture of what the church today is supposed to look like. And guess what? Those people went forward laying hands on the sick and seeing and doing the same things that they saw Jesus model and do by the power of God in their life. I'm telling you, if somebody says to you, it is not for you, then you will not appropriate what is available and your life will not add up to what it was created to add up for. You, my friend, better get into the Bible. You better start reading God's word and seeing how it applies to the believer's life. The only reason the Lord has not come back is because He's waiting. What is he waiting for? He's waiting for more people to receive him. And he's not waiting for people to receive him halfway. Shame on the church. Shame on, shame on pastors. Shame on ministry leaders that have just like, listen, just kind of come, check it out. No, man, it requires all that you have. It requires a living sacrifice. Your life doesn't belong to you anymore. And I'm telling you that as you step into that place saying, God, you have everything, then that is when life begins to take on meaning. You thought that you were living in meaning before, only to realize that why didn't I surrender fully in the first place? Was it because of the preaching? Was it because of the teaching? Was it because of our milk toast approach to how you deal with sin? You know what I mean? Listen, go to a counselor, love counseling. Great, not speaking against counseling. But how about the church, which is you and me? It's not just me, it's all of us. Have faith like a child 
to ask and believe for things that are far beyond our ability. Come on, to ask and believe for, but we do so. And then something is activated in the supernatural realm. And somebody is healed. Somebody is set free. Somebody, the darkness is cast off of them. The depression is lifted. The anxiety is released. Amen. There is freedom because that's what the Lord gives to us. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. This is what I want you to do. I want everybody in here to stand to your feet right now. And I want you to pray for yourself. Whatever it is that the Lord has been ministering to you during this message, I want you just to say, do this thing. Do this thing in me. Whatever it is that God has revealed that you need, whatever part of this message is spoken to you, put your hand on your heart and say, do this thing in me. God, I want it. I believe it. I receive it. And I will step into it in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for this time together. I ask you, Lord, that there would be an impartation from you directly to us, that we would appropriate the word of the Lord as it is written that we would stand upon the truth, that we wouldn't try to dance around certain things because they're hard to understand. God, there are many things that we don't understand about you. Your word says that your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We'll never understand the mind of God. But what we do have is we've got the word of the Lord. And it is our responsibility to stand upon the very truths that have been spoken, written in the word of the Lord. We are accountable for the word that we've been given. And I pray in Jesus' name that we would walk in truth. We would step in truth. We would walk in light. We would step out of darkness. And we would be used, God, to, 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 to be your hands and your feet. We would, we would pay attention because we spent time in your presence in and through prayer and things like fasting. That we would know the voice of the Lord and when it is that you speak, that we would do what it is that you say to do. Even if it puts us in an uncomfortable situation. We're in the marketplace, maybe at Walmart or someplace else. And, and God, you say, give this person this word of encouragement. We step out in that place and we give that word. And the word hits the mark because it's exactly what it is that the person needs for that very time. God, I pray that we would walk in the power and authority that is available to us in and through the cross of Jesus Christ. I can do nothing to help anybody, but with you, God, I can do everything to set the captives free. I can, I can do, I can in and through you because it's you that do the work, Lord, that we can see blind eyes open. We can see the sick healed again. We can see those encouraged and built up in their most holy faith. I thank you, Lord, for this time. I pray that you would bless these people and complete the work that has been begun and started here today in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said amen and amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Let's worship, Matthew. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.